here's what I am convinced of the Bible teaches us. That you can fight in such a way that everybody wins. That doesn't quite sound right, does it? And actually, uh, some of you may be boxing fans. Some of you may have never watched a boxing match. But uh, you watch it in the Olympics. You watch the boxing matches. And, and that's, that's pretty cool. I used to love to watch George Foreman. I've watched uh, Joe Frazier and, and uh, Mike Tyson, strangely enough. Uh, and, but, you know, uh, he's most known for biting somebody's ear off. Kind of, you know, I'm not sure that that was, that, that certainly wasn't legal. But here's the thing. If, if when you, uh, here's what I've always appreciated. When they have the boxing match, these two guys are about to really slug it out. And the purpose is to knock the other guy out. But there's always the rules. The rules. The referee brings them together and says, okay, let me go over the rules with you. So we can have a clean fight. And so I, I'm convinced the Bible gives us some rules and how we function, uh, and, and you're gonna, they're going to be similar to those of a boxing match. Because life has got conflict, and every relationship, whether it's in the home or the workplace or the church, has tension. It has tension. Why? Because we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Sometimes we rub each other the wrong way. Matter of fact, I'm convinced relationships are heavenly sandpaper. God's put us together to rub the rub edges off each of us to make us more like Christ. But how do we do this in a way that honors God and everybody wins? So I want to talk about that with you. Uh, a man was uh, sharing uh, that he had learned the secret of not having conflict in his marriage. And his buddy said, well, what's the secret? He said, I don't try to run my wife's life. And I let her run mine, and there's no conflict. Uh, the truth is, that's not how life works, nor should it work that way. But let's take a look at this and see, uh, because everyone has conflict. How we handle the conflicts will produce either intimacy or alienation, healing or hurt. So I just want to give you some things. I know you're looking at them. You've already counted them and going, my goodness gracious, there's seven of them. Trust me. They're going to be right to the point. All right? So first of all, I want to talk, if you found your way to Ephesians chapter 4, by now, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 20. Here's the first point I want you to get. Keep it clean. That's the first thing the referee will say to two boxers. I want you guys to keep it clean. Keep it clean. The Bible would say it this way, be honest and respectful. Paul is trying to communicate how to have great relationships in Ephesians. It's a great book of how do you do life. It's a very practical book. He says, first of all, stop telling lies. Isn't that interesting? He's got to tell church people stop telling lies, but sometimes people are prone to exaggerate and not tell the truth, and sometimes we're afraid to tell the truth. And He says, God, stop telling lies. Be honest. Be honest with each other. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. We're all parts of the same body. And you know, sometimes but they're, yeah, man, if I tell them the truth, it'll hurt their feelings. Well, if you lie and they find out you've run more than hurt their feelings, you've lost their trust. He says, let's make sure we keep this clean so you need to be honest and respectful always to each other. 
Uh, and, and so what does that look like? Well, first of all, you need to be truthful and authentic when sharing your thoughts, feelings, and convictions. You share your thoughts honestly with humility, not arrogance, but you share your thoughts. Here's what I'm thinking. And when someone shares their thoughts, whether it's your spouse or your friend or someone at church, let them share their thoughts. Don't make fun of them. Don't laugh at them. Respect their thoughts. They may not be, you may need, they may go, boy, that's a crazy thought. That's fine. Maybe you get a chance to share your thoughts and help them out. But listen with respect. You may not agree, but listen. You get your chance to say, let me honestly share. I don't, I don't see it that way. I, I, I can't. But, hey, let's be respectful. And then you need to be honest in sharing your thoughts and your feelings. Women are, are, are emotionally driven, and that means they share their feelings. Men are activity-driven. We just kind of share facts. And we talk about the facts, and they talk about the feelings, and the, consequently there's tension sometimes because they're not on the same page. The, the key is you want to always let your wife know you're going to listen to her feelings. They may not make sense. That's okay. They're her feelings. Feelings don't always make sense. As James Dobson said in his book, Emotions, Can You Trust? And the answer is no, you cannot because it depends on how much sleep you had, whether you had pizza or hamburgers or whatever, okay? Uh, but they're real. And so you let them share. And, and men, we, we look at the facts, and we, we, we can sometimes bring that to the table when the feelings have been shared. Convictions are very real. Moral convictions, spiritual convictions, you need to be honest about those. Now, I'm going to say, many of you, or some of you are dating, and some will be dating. Your convictions are very important in your date life. And if someone, you need to be honest about your convictions, because you don't want to say, well, if, I, if I'm honest about my convictions, this person won't want to date me. Then you don't need to date them. Real simple. Uh, I had this talk with my girls. Man, I, here's your convictions. If somebody doesn't share those, and if you feel you've got to hide your convictions, you don't need to go out with that person. You need to be honest. They need to know where you stand. They need to know what you know. So, yeah, this is important. In our life, that's, that's huge. So, we, we keep it clean. And don't assume they read your mind. I cannot read my wife's mind. I've been married for 40 years. I still can't read her mind. I think sometimes she reads mine, but I can't read hers. Don't assume that. Your best friend can't read your mind sometimes. The church people can't read your mind. The person at work can't read your mind. He's not, well, they should have known I felt that way. If you didn't tell them, they wouldn't know. When Paul's saying, here's how we deal with life, we be honest and respectful. Uh, avoid exaggerations. My goodness, avoid exaggerations because exaggerations are dishonest. And we're all prone to do that. You know those words like always, every time, and never? Those words, we use those way too often because we, we use them because we're trying to win the fight and they bring weight to our arguments. So we throw those always, never, and every time out there. For example, you may hear this. You never take out the trash. To which one may respond, I took it out a month ago. That's wrong. 
the exaggeration never honest. You understand that? It's how life is. We tend to do that. That person never is nice to me. Well, they probably were nice to you once. Uh, you know, this is the thing he talks about. He's trying to say, don't get caught in this. Oh, you're always late. There's another exaggeration. I've been on time once or twice in their life. Probably on time for their wedding. Always. If you use those terms, never, always, every time. We, we, we kind of, we, we just, that's what we do to kind of win the, win the battle. Woman said to her husband one time, you never tell me you love me. The husband said, that's just not true. I told you the day we got married, and when I changed my mind, I'll let you know. Exaggeration. Don't do that. Because truthfully, it's not honest. And you don't solve anything by bringing in something that's not honest in any relationship, whether it's at work or at home or with your children or with your spouse. And we tend to do that. Paul's saying, let's don't do life that way. We're different. We're, we, we have the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us do life differently. Be respectful of your, your spouse entitled the same courtesy and honor as your friends. The second thing I want you to get when I looked at this, okay, uh, is at the sound of the bell, remember, the, the, the reference is going to bring the guy, okay, clean fight, no, but he's not going to say that, I've got ahead of myself here, all right, uh, no foreign objects, meaning, you ever watch them, they pat down their trunks, and they check their gloves, you know what they're for, foreign objects, and they say, no foreign objects, well, let's talk about that. No foreign objects. The foreign object of all conflict is anger. Controlling your anger. Here's what verse 26 says. Now don't sin by letting anger control you. Ooh. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. That's, pretty, that's great advice. We all, we all get angry about things. We get angry about injustice. We get angry about sin. We get angry sometimes about things that don't matter. Anger is a part of how we deal with emotions and feelings in life. And the Bible does not, the Bible actually gives you permission to be angry, but it tells you you can't sin in your anger. You can't let anger dominate your thoughts and your life and your rea- reactions and your attitudes. Uh, you can simply let it be a way of releasing steam Without doing damage. Don't sin by letting anger control you. More ministries are ruined by people who lose their temper. Marriages are destroyed by people who lose their temper. Friendships are broken because people lose their temper. They're controlled by their anger. And he's saying, don't let that happen in your life, in your church, in your home. Man, don't do that. Anger happens, and it happens over misunderstandings, unfulfilled expectations, and sometimes poor communication and hurt feelings. I mean, there's reasons for anger. None of us get it right all the time. Sometimes I misunderstand what you said or what you did. Sometimes I I didn't communicate well, and there was a complication or a problem or something didn't go right, uh, and the expectations maybe weren't met, and, and we get angry. And sometimes our feelings get hurt. Let's, let's, don't, hey, let's be honest. We all get our feelings hurt from time to time. 
somebody didn't do something we thought they should have done, and, you know, we got our feelings hurt. And then we get angry because our feelings are hurt. And that's it. So that happens. But how you deal with it's really important because that's how we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to make us like Christ and to transform us into being a, a representative of the kingdom and a magnet to the unchurched world. And so he says, here's what you do. You don't get to sin when you're angry. Uh, sin should not happen. Uncontrolled tempers is like, you, you can't do that. You don't get to throw dishes because you're mad. Yeah. We don't get to hit a hole in the wall because we're mad. That's uncontrolled anger. You can be very mad at your spouse. They didn't do something right. They hurt your feelings. But you don't get to run over them with a car. Huh? Just can't do that. You may want to. You may feel like it. But you can't do that. That's uncontrolled anger. What Paul's saying, he can't do that. Yeah, you know, you know, you just can't do that because that dominates your life. The devil gets a foothold in your life, and that anger—if you give way to the anger and it controls you—it only gets worse. And then you're angry at everybody. You're angry all the time. You're an angry person. Nobody wants to be around you. I was, uh, I was on vacation, and I I played golf in Ombre. And, and that's having a good time. It's, hey, it's a fun time. I, I got no pressure, nothing to do, just playing golf. Uh, and and uh, we got paired up with three guys I didn't know, one from Alabama, one from Mississippi, one from Georgia. We had a ball, a lot of fun. Uh, now, men are competitive. We all want to win, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so, so we did keep score. But uh, it's it just a lot of fun. And then, but the one guy I played with, he was, he was a little uptight and thought he should have been playing better than he was. And he was actually losing. He wasn't happy because he was losing. And so he missed a shot. And he threw his golf club like 50 yards. I mean, just threw that thing. I'm going, that kind of, you know. And it kind of, I, I did all of a sudden didn't enjoy, I wasn't enjoying the day anymore. I'm going, man, you know, we're out here. You'd think we was playing for money. So we just out here having a good time. What is wrong with you? He was mad and sold up. And it ruined his day because the rest of the, that was on number 10. The rest of his golf game was horrible because he's angry. You don't get to be angry. And it, you control anger. You get to be angry, but you don't let it control you and dominate your emotions and your feelings and your actions because none of us enjoyed watching that. I got mad and said, you're going to walk to the next hole. No, I didn't. No, I, I, you know, I just sit there and say, dude, hey, relax. It's vacation, man. Have a good time. It's okay. Uh, so, you know, we don't get to do that. Let me say this in anger. Verbal abuse. The Bible says you don't do that. You don't do that. You don't get to just unload on people verbally. That's wrong. That's wrong. And you don't do physical abuse ever. I think it's wrong. It's tragic when people become so controlled by anger, that's what they do. I had a good friend of mine years ago in, in, in Douglasville call me. It was midnight, 
When I get a call at midnight, it's never good. Can you come over to the house? Man, we're in trouble. Yeah, okay. Went over. He's crying. She's crying. They've had an argument. Process, he hit her. He said, man, what do I do? I said, well, you did something you shouldn't have done. And she's called the police. In a matter of a few minutes, they're going to take you to jail. He said, can you do anything to help me? No, you're going to go to jail. Broke the law. But more importantly, you broke God's law. Now, when you get out about 24 hours, we'll sit down and talk. And I'm going to tell you what happened. God did a great work. He learned, and they grew, and their marriage is great today. And that's so, that, was like, that was like 25 years ago. And they're doing great today. Had to deal with his anger. Lord helped him deal with that. I, you don't get to do that, guys. And then at the sound of the bell, the fight begins. Every fight starts. At the sound of the bell, you go. The right time to fight. Verses 26 through 27. Uh, here's what again. Uh, uh, verse 26. Don't, don't let anger control you. Pick the right time to deal with stuff. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Okay? Uh, and, but, uh, but he says, look at this. He says, look, verse, look at this. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry, for anger gives foothold of the devil. Don't, don't do this. Listen. He said, pick the right, look, there's the right time to deal with tension and conflict in relationships. And listen, please hear this. Don't let anger build. Set a time to talk. The Bible says don't go to bed with being angry. Deal with it before you go to bed. May it happen at 10 o'clock in the morning. You may have to think about it. You may have to pray about it. But at some point, you need to talk about it. And there's two things. When you get angry, you do one of two things. If you get angry, you go, okay, and you start, I start praying. Let me tell you what I do. When I get angry, I say, okay, Lord, let me pray about this. Do I have a reason to be angry? Maybe I've misunderstood or maybe I have... Uh, maybe I'm just too sensitive today or whatever, and I shouldn't be angry. Then I make a decision, do I let go of it? And I say, Lord, if I I can let go of it because it's not justified, or I'm overreacting, therefore I need to let go of it. That's fine, let go of it. But if I can't let go of it, if 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 it's going to affect me, and all of a sudden I don't feel like eating dinner, and I can't go to sleep, I need to deal with it. Now, I need to pray, say, God, if I'm wrong, deal with me, let me know, or let me go talk to this person and say, look, you, might, you know, what happened here? What went wrong? Uh, and so most of the time, I, I tend to let it go and say, okay, Lord, it's kind of uh, overreaction and, and uh, vain imagination stuff, so let me get beyond that. But sometimes you just got to sit down and talk to people. Um, and, and uh, you know, man, you just deal with it. You, you have a time. You don't let anger build. That's never good. There's a right place and a right time. And uh, uh, there's just a right time to do it. Don't, don't sit down. Now, you may say, can we talk about this in a minute? I'm a little too mad right now. That's being honest. Uh, let, me, let me calm down for a minute, then we'll sit down and talk. 
Now, let me give you guys a heads up, because a lot of us guys, we watch football and baseball and stuff like that, and, and a lot of times we've said something or made, hurt, our, hurt our wife's feelings, okay? And if she comes in and wants to talk about it while you're watching a football game, I, I don't suggest you say, well, let's wait till the game's over. She ain't going to like that, because she's more important to game. So you go, okay, we'll cut that TV off and let's talk about it. But there are times to look, I'm not ready to talk about it right now. I got to think about it. Maybe I need to pray about it. That's fair. Let me pray about this for a minute. Then let's sit down and talk. But you need to say, we're gonna, let's, talk in a, let's talk in a few minutes or let's, talk, let's get together and talk after dinner or let's talk when the kids go to bed or, you know, let's talk. But let's set the time. Don't ignore it. Relationships are destroyed because people don't deal with stuff. And it builds and it builds and it builds. And one day there's an explosion. And the damage is horrific. All right. Uh, swing at the right target. Verse 28. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and, and then give generously to those who need. He said, look, do what's right. Do what's right. Swing at the right target. If something is wrong, you deal with the issue. Now, this is important because we tend to kind of ramp up here. We don't need to do that. You attack the problem and not the person. Notice what Paul has said. There's some things you shouldn't be doing. Let's don't do them. If you tend to steal stuff, quit stealing. Do something. But here's what he says. Here's what you got to get when you do this. When you deal with the problem, you don't attack the person. You deal with the problem. The issue is what they are doing, what they are saying. Not that they're necessarily a horrible person. So you don't want to attack the person and never deal with the problem. You want to deal with the problem. But here's the key. I want you to watch what Paul has done. He gives a great model. He says, there's a problem here. Some of you may be stealing. He He could have said, if you're a thief, quit stealing. He didn't stop there because the problem is stealing. He said, instead... Hear this, every criticism you have should have a solution for correction. You say, well, that takes the fun out of being critical. I know. If you're critical without having solutions, it's easy to be critical. But actually, you're supposed to have, when you talk about someone, you should have thought through it enough to where I need to tell you that and, and if it's critical, it needs to be constructive. Meaning, let me tell you, when Paul said, hey, you need to quit stealing. He didn't stop there. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. Be generous. Let's do something. Hey, here's what you do instead of. Life change. Let's let go through this. So there's times when maybe criticism is warranted. All right? But should always have a suggestion for correction. Always. And you say, well, if I got, what if I don't have a suggestion for correction? Then you probably don't need to be critical. The next one is no hitting below the belt. Every referee says that. Do not hit below the belt. The Bible says, watch what you say and how you say it. Verse 29, 
Do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Wow, isn't that something? Let everything, everything you say be good and helpful. Isn't that convicting to all of us? So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I just suppose you talk to people about here's what you say. You watch what you say. Bad communication is like drinking sour milk when it's heard. Just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It's just hard to get over. And so, um, watch the volume in how you talk to people. Men are a little bit louder than women usually, but there's a point where we can be. We're hollering, and we don't need to holler. Velocity, and in the vulgarity, you watch those. Don't don't be that way. Don't be ugly to win the argument. Don't think that you're more powerful because you can be louder or more vulgar. That doesn't win anything. He said, when you're doing stuff and you're dealing with people, try to figure out how to be encouraging in the midst of it. He said, well, pastor, you don't always think about that right away. That means when the Bible says you need to be slow to speak, there's a reason for that. When you're slow to speak, you think about these things. Then you kind of process them before you just go ahead and say stuff. You say, how can I say this to where it's going to matter and be more effective and be an encouragement rather than just be a, a, a landmine going off, okay? Yeah, how you say what you say is really, really, really important. It really, really is. Uh, it really, really is. Uh, some children were trying to do something real nice for their dad for Father's Day, so they thought they'd do a workup of his family tree. And um, they thought they would just kind of make it a real nice thing. And in the process of looking into his family tree, they found that one of his ancestors was was uh, had committed murder and was electrocuted. And they kind of had a dilemma of thinking, well, this is kind of a bummer to give. and That's kind of hard to, that's going to be, what can we do that makes this not as bad, but still be truthful? And so they put their heads together and said, okay. And they, when they came to this ancestor named George, they said, and George, <laughs> they began to think, how can we say this? So they said, well, uh, George, I was a resident at one of the government institutions. <laughs> he was held by the strongest of ties. And his death was a real shock. <laughs> and that's what they said. Sometimes we think about how we say stuff because it matters. You know, people used to say, uh, that, that saying is, uh, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me or words will never hurt me. That's not true. Words really can't hurt. And so you think about that, all right? And then, no fighting outside the ring. Don't swing in a public place. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, 
harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Paul's saying, look, don't act, don't act like an idiot or an, or an uncontrolled person or a pagan in the world. Don't act that way. Get rid of stuff that would cause that. Deal with it. Process it. Bring it to the cross. Bring, bring it to the point of where you ask God to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to change you, to give you uh, freedom from those things that would cause this. He said, and when you get in public, don't, don't, don't do things in public. Don't embarrass your mate in public. Don't use subtle sarcasms. Keep your dirty laundry where it belongs. In the laundry room. Don't go out in public and try to win an argument in public in front of others. Don't try to make your spouse look bad or make fun of them. Public. Don't try to win an argument in public. That's just wrong. Don't let things, don't vent about your wife being late at a church fellowship. Oh, my wife's always late. You're telling 50 people. I got news for you. It won't help her be on time. So you get in trouble. You're getting in trouble. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, you know the difference for most. Uh, well, you know the difference for most men. Uh, time is an absolute. I said most men, not almost, not exaggerating. Most men, it's an absolute. For many women, not all, but many. Didn't exaggerate. For many women, time's just a suggestion. I understand that. I had three daughters, uh, but that's okay. But going to the fellowship and saying, well, my wife's always late, doesn't, that's not good. Uh, why do you want to do that? You don't want to do that. Uh, you know. Uh, and, you know, at the, you just don't do that. But here's my favorite part, the last thing. When it's over, Hug. Sometimes I like to start a fight just to get to the last part. Because that hugging's fun. Instead, what he says, verse 32, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Wow. You know, be kind. Don't keep score. Man said to his friend one time, my wife gets historical every time we fight. The friend said, you mean hysterical, don't you? She said, no, no, I mean historical. When we fight, she tells me everything I've ever done wrong. <laughs> Don't keep score. Don't keep score. Man, when you keep, you know, get done with it. Get done with it. Don't keep score. Be kind enough to tear up the list that you sometimes keep. Be sensitive to the hurt because hurt happens. Be sensitive to it. To say I love you is far better than to say I told you so. And be forgiving because Christ forgave us. That's the biggest thing the Holy Spirit teaches me all the time. Every time I kind of get uptight about something or bent out of shape, the Holy Spirit says, let me tell you what the Lord did for you. I know. Boy, I need to let that go. When unsure, remember the cross. When you're not sure what you need to do and how, just remember the cross. When you're not sure how you're supposed to react, remember the cross. 
Because on the cross, not a cross, but the cross, the one that Jesus Christ died on, he did some incredible things on that cross. Number one, he died for something he didn't do, but for everything I did. That's pretty impressive. And those who crucified him that day, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. The tensions and the conflicts of life are there to help us become more like Christ. And he shows how we're supposed to look from the picture of the cross. And if I remember the cross, it'll help me behave and react the way I should and honor God and encourage others. The best way to stop a fight, when you're beaten, surrender. Quit fighting. And the best way to have a relationship with Christ is to finally surrender and give up and quit fighting His grace and say yes.